0: turn, if you will, in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, verse, really verses 1 and 2, Romans. And I want you to stick a pen in it for me. because It's going to be our guide for our message today. People see me up here preaching a lot, and they don't see me with the Bible right in front of me, and that's because I always put the scriptures in my handouts. <laughs> so Romans chapter 12 verses verse 2 is our action verse. You don't have a Bible then there's one probably near you if not. We got to a strange place where we can't we can't share Bibles like we used to. COVID is messing that up. I hope y'all see what COVID is doing to us. Yeah, you know, when we can't share a Bible with somebody, that's a problem for us. Most people have it on their phones or something to that effect right now. But how many of you are aware that the Romans is called the Constitution of the Bible? It's a strong, strong book. It's the book that Paul wrote to teach Christians how to behave as Christians, which is a complicated, complicated thing. Let me let me see if I can. Synopsize it for you before I read the scripture. See, first chapter, he starts talking to Romans and he tells them emphatically, tells the believers that that righteous people live by faith. And then he moves on to the next chapter. He says that God's judgment on people is unbiased, unbiased. He has the same judgment on the Jews and the Greeks. Because what's important is that your heart be circumcised, not that your body be circumcised, which is what the Jews believed that was under the law. Chapter three says that we all fall short and come short of the glory of God. We all fall short of of that. Every one of us. There is no exception. Chapter four tells us that Abraham is the one who made the determination possible that the righteous shall live by faith. Five goes on to tell us that we're reconciled to God through Christ. We got death through Adam, but we got life through Christ as one act of justification that came uh, from Jesus Christ. Chapter 6 tells us there's new life through baptism in Christ. New life from slaves to sin to slaves of God is what we are. But there's a wage for that because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Chapter 7 tells us that no law has power like the law of God over us. But the law of man is problematic because the law of man stops when a man dies. But the law of God continues to follow him even after death. My flesh serves the law of sin. My flesh does. So my struggle... Is with sin, O oh, death, where is thy sin? Paul is famous for repeating these lines over and over again in his writings. In chapter 8, he says that they that are in Christ are free of condemnation. You've heard it so many times, 8 and 28. He said, but there's no condemnation to those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Because he foreordained us to be in the position that we're in. Chapter 9 says that Israel rejected God. Abraham was God's true offspring because Abraham came to God through faith. And that becomes our example as we round it into 10. But how do you know that example according to chapter 10 unless somebody tells you that? How do you know that example if nobody comes to you and preaches? And so it's very obvious when he says that everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you call on his name, but but how then shall they call on the name that they haven't heard of or believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without somebody preaching to them? How can anyone preach unless they've been sent to do so as it is written? Preachers have beautiful feet, (laughs) y'all. Not always, but you get the point. Chapter 11 rounded out and says that God has not thrown off Israel. There's still chance for Israel. God loves them as well. They simply could not see the promise as rejected. I mean, as projected or given to them by Jesus Christ. We have been engrafted into the tree of God's family by Jesus Christ. We've been adopted, <clears throat> put in place. All Israel will still be saved, but it's according to the will of God and his grace and his mercy. God loves us, but God expects us to act a certain way. Come on now. He turns around, Ridge, and he tells us that there's a way we got to behave. There's some ways we got to live. There's some things we got to do, and that brings us to chapter 12. Chapter 12, says, 12 tells us that God has made this way possible for us. And when the preacher comes and tells you that there's a certain way you got to live, my Bible says you ought to listen to him because that's how you learn the mysteries of God. And verse 1 reads, I beseech you, I'm begging you, brothers, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy Acceptable unto God. And he says, the writer says, this is your reasonable service. And then verse 2, our action verse today says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So today we're going to talk about renew your mind. Renew. Renew your mind. I don't have to tell you this. You know this is true, that the world has certain patterns to it that simply do not fit in what we would call in the church. A full life. Yeah, there's certain patterns that you live that way, you're probably going to shorten your life expectancy. There are some there are some exceptions. One thing you can't, we learned early on, you can't do all you want to do. You can't drink all you want to drink if you're a drinker. Wow, that's gonna to lead to a problem for you sooner or later. You can't eat all you wanna eat, no matter how much money you have. You can't live that way. You can't do anything to excess that's going to be dangerous to your body and live a full life. There's temperance that has to be included in your life. But those are the things that typically take us out, Brother Bob. They do. They harm us. But there are some things that you can't see, you can't taste, you can't can't smell that are much more dangerous to us. How about greed, anger? jealousy, yeah, materialism. Somebody hear me in here. How about lying, just plain old dishonesty? These things will get you in more trouble than those physical problems will any day of the week. Paul tells us that there's a way we're supposed to live that changes our minds and how we deal with these issues. And you come up and you say, that's just how everybody is. And maybe that's how you were before you came to know the Lord. Nobody's going to tell you that as soon as you become a believer in Christ, you stop telling untruths because that would be an untruth. Nobody's going to tell you that as soon as you come to know the Lord, you stop being jealous or greedy or angry at somebody because if they did, they wouldn't be telling you the truth. The fact of the matter is it's a growth process. And Paul comes to us in this, and I want to come to you in this new series. The series is called Chameleon. The chameleon. Chameleon. Everybody know what a chameleon is? I got a picture of a chameleon for you. The reason why we're in this this place is because some of us have gone through our Christian journey being chameleons. We have blended in to the world that's around us. Yeah, we've blended in to this world. Paul tells us that that is exactly opposite of how we're supposed to live. We're not supposed to be blending in. We're supposed to stand out distinctly from the world that we live in. But how many of y'all agree with me? That's uncomfortable standing out from everybody else. It's safer. It feels better for us to blend in with everybody. But that's not what God called us to do. He called, God called us to do. He told us another gospel writer said to be salt. And that we're supposed to be light, light in a world of darkness, necessarily would mean that we stand out. But if we're going to live in the manner that God wants us to live, according to Paul, we have to live transformed lives. Your life has got to change. It's got to change. Transformation doesn't happen by accident. It's an intentional daily way of living. Somebody going to help me with this today because you know if you've grown in your walk with the Lord that you're not the same person that you used to be. Don't we sing it in the song? Friends don't treat me like they used to since I laid my burden down. and that song, burden is my sin. Since I laid it down, Yeah, friends don't even treat me like, why? Because I'm standing out now. I'm standing out. I stopped blending in. And because of that, the songwriter said, my friends won't treat me like like they used to. And so this concept of standing out is what Paul said to us. If you're going to be a believer and walk in accordance with the tenets that Paul said we have to follow and that the Lord instructed us to, you've got to become comfortable standing out. You've got to be the odd man out. Some of y'all struggle on a daily basis because you work in an environment that is absolutely negative. But I wonder how many folk in there know that you're the difference. Or how many of them are comfortable around you and what they do and say, because you don't make it clear which side you're on. Whose side are you on? Are you on the good side, are you on the bad side? Are you on the positive side, are you on the negative side? In fact, if we took a poll from your coworkers, how many of them would even know that you were a believer? Based on, I'm not talking about your Sunday morning uh, uh, attitude. I'm talking about your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday, Friday attitude when you got to be with those folks all day. day. Do they know that you're a believer in Christ Jesus? The chameleon is a master of disguise. He's a master. It doesn't matter what environment he finds himself in. God has given this creature adaptations that allow him to physically blend in the environment he's in. It's an amazing thing to watch to see him absolutely morph from a pale green to a vivid, colorful animal just because he's in a situation that causes him to change. But it's also interesting to watch folk do that. Oh, yeah, it's interesting to watch somebody who's usually a pale green color in their attitude Turn into something that they absolutely are not just to fit in with other folk. In fact, it'll cause you to stop and look at them and wonder if you're even looking at the same person. They blend it in so very, very well. But why does the chameleon do it? The chameleon does it to survive. The chameleon does it because he needs to not be prey. He he does it because he needs to be able to eat. Hello, somebody. He does it because he's mating. Yeah. A peacock isn't the only one that can spread his feathers. Chameleon can put on a display that can catch a filly's attention, too, a young lady's attention, a female's attention. We do the same thing. Come on, don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Anybody that's ever been on a date when they were young? Oh, yeah, you put on your best chameleon. That's why I tell folk, it's one thing to fall in love with somebody when you're you're dating, but that's a different person than the one you're going to be married to. Absolutely different, because we all are, it's, it's almost a show when you're dating. Anybody been married know what I'm talking about? You're putting your best foot forward, and by the time you get married, you get tired of marching like that. You start being yourself, and that's when problems start coming. But if you're going to stay in that relationship, somebody's gonna have to learn how to transform. Yeah, I tell you, you get married because of, stay married in spite of. People need to know who you are and how you are. Truth is that most of us would rather blend in with the crowd. I didn't, I know this sermon series it's going to make some folk uncomfortable, because it's not going to be a window for you, it's going to be a mirror. You're going to see yourself in a different light, and that doesn't feel good, but the only way you can come up with a change is by following this recipe that I believe Paul puts in the scripture. So we're going to look at the very clear statement from the Bible regarding transformation, very clear statement on how we have to live. We're going to We're going to talk to all those folks who believe that you can be saved and still keep it real with everybody. Yeah, they say, I'm living my best life, but your best life can't include everything in the world. It can't. you got to change the way you operate, because there are things that we do that are inconsistent with the faith walk. There are things that we do that are inconsistent with a witness walk. There are things that we do that do not reflect on the Lord in the light that he deserves to be reflected. And so we haven't proven ourselves to be believers, and that's problematic. And so in Romans, Paul writes that we should not conform. The the, the interesting thing about the way he's written this is the word he uses, conform, means that there's a pool that comes from the world. There's a pool. It draws us. It draws us in. Yeah, it wants you. It it creates an atmosphere that makes it really easy for you to fall in place and behave like that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, whenever there's something to get into that ain't good for you, it ain't real hard to get into it. You can find somebody who wants to do it. Yeah, there's a whole lot of folk who will show you the way, give you the money, pay for it while you're there. There's a whole lot of folk that will help you stay in trouble. But I guarantee you, if you will follow me, you're not going to find a whole lot of folks who are going to help you get out of trouble. No, no, that line is going to be real short. And depending on how much trouble you're staying in your life, you're going to wear that line out real fast so you'll find fewer and fewer people that you can turn to when you find yourself in trouble. Fewer and fewer people, in fact, if you stay there too long, even your mom, who is usually the last one you can depend on, will find herself saying, I'm all out, baby. I'm not going to be able to help you with that situation anymore. Because everybody knows that sin will take you further than you want to go and to keep you there longer than you want to stay. Oh, I'm not making this up. History, the Bible. They all record that this is problematic. Said, do not conform to the patterns of this world, which implies, Alvin, that this is a choice, a choice that we have. The question is, once you say, I believe in Jesus Christ and his atoning and sacrificial work for me, you are also making the statement that I trust him to show me how I'm supposed to live and that I'm going to take the steps that I need to take to conform to the lifestyle he has set about for me. It implies that I'm ready to do the work. But when you find out that the work is hard, oh, it's hard. It's hard walking this Christian journey. It's hard being different from everybody else. Yeah, there's a way unto man that seems like it's the right path. But I came to tell you that the end of it is destruction. It's destruction. It's easy to get on that path. So when you are walking, when you are in that group, you're probably going to be pretty popular. The problem is, if you're a believer, you're popular under false pretenses. Watch this now. Because they like the you you are, and the you you are is a fake. The you you are when you're with them and you're conforming is not the you you're supposed to be. And so inevitably, there's a great reveal. Every movie does it. Every book writes it. There's always the action point in the book when the person who's been pretending to be something is outed, and everybody finds out that, oh, yes, he's the great pretender. Always an action point when you have to reveal, yes, I'm a believer. Yes, I've been baptized. I've been sanctified. Yeah, I'm on Jesus' side. You got to reveal that at some point and therein lies the problem. Because when you put that into the equation, it creates problems for those people who are not willing to make that same choice. I hope somebody hears me in here now. If you're going to grow in Christ, the time is going to come when you're going to have to let everybody know whose side you're on. You're not going to continue to be able to be in the world and of the world as well, if you're a believer. We have to be in the world. We have to live here, but we don't have to be of the world while we're living here. We live a certain kind of way, and I got to be very honest with you. I'm going to stand here flat-footed and tell you that those folk who I know have been in Christ, who have been examples for me, their way seem real hard and rigid to me. Their way seemed too tough for me until I got a little older, until I walked a little bit further down this road called life. Then I understood why they had the lifestyle that they had. And I also saw how God blessed them in that walk. And I'm not telling you that you can't have any color in your life. I'm not telling you you can't have anything that's rich in your life. I'm simply telling you that you have to make sure you conform to the tenets of life. There are those who would make you think that if you're going to be faithful in Christ Jesus, that you can't live well. That's a lie. That God doesn't bless you with material things. That's a lie. God can do whatever he wants to do. In fact, he's going to make sure he's got enough of his folk who have wealth so they can help the folk who don't have wealth. Therein lies the rub. Yeah, he's not giving you all that just for you. And when he gives it all to you and you start keeping it all to yourself, therein lies the problem. Yeah, when you keep it to yourself, the only reason you were accepted into the group with your folk when you were in the world, after you've accepted Christ, is because you were pretending to be something that you were not. Let me tell you this. Folk think that just because you sing, you save. Come on now. Oh oh, 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 yeah, oh yeah. Look, the problem that we struggle from started from the music ministry in heaven. The problem that we have came from an angel who was the head of the music ministry who thought he was more than he should have been. That's where the problem's emanating from, so don't get lost in a good false set of voice. Don't get lost just because somebody can harm a tune. That in and of itself doesn't mean that they're right. Now it doesn't mean that they're not okay either. but that's not the sole indicator of being all right. Noise preaching. noise preaching. <laughs> Oh, yeah, plenty of folk can holler. Plenty of folk can tell you what the Bible says, but their life doesn't reflect the lifestyle that they preach about because it's a hard way to walk. Follow them out of the pulpit into the week, and you'll find that they're not preach, they're not walking what they're talking because just being a preacher, just standing behind a pulpit, in and of itself, is not all you have to do in order to be a believer. You've still got to be transformed. It's not as if the day the Lord validated that he had called me to preach, all my sins fell away. Simply does not work that way. In fact, the burden grew heavy to deal with the sins that I know I have under those circumstances. And that's why Anthony can pray, preach to the preacher first, Lord. Let the sermon affect him first before it affects each one of us, because if he can get me and my heart straight, then there's a greater chance that by example, not just by word, but by example, that you too can be changed. So what is it that makes us different? How do we change? How do we change? Some of you don't even realize the sin you're in. Some of you have become believers and are following a sin-streaked lifestyle based on the way you were brought up. Yeah. You do things because your family has always done it. You haven't broken the mold from your family. You haven't changed the activity from your family. Watch this. I bet it's true. Now, if I step on your toes, just say, how many of y'all growing up? Have been told you weren't even aware of it. You do stuff just like your daddy. Uh, You act just like your because subconsciously you got things in your life that you do because of the environment that you came up in that you're not even aware of. That you do. You can put me my brother and my son on a recording and depending on how you listen to it, not be able to tell which one of us it is. Because we all have that same nasal tone when we talk. Environment. Environment. How we come up. How is it that every sister in the family can bake? Everybody, well not every one of them. (laughs) Most of them, most of them in the family, environment can shape you in ways that you're not even aware of. But herein lies the question, who do you have in your life that can be, I'm going to say this, a Nathan to you, who can step to you, who can come to you and say, This is not the way you ought to be living. And who can encourage you to make that change? Because Paul is putting it out here. Paul is putting it out here. But who can come to you in your life and say to you that this isn't right? Who do you allow to feed into your life like that? You need to have a relationship with someone who can talk to you in a way that can tell you how you're behaving. And you trust them enough to listen to them. That's an important thing in life. It's a hard thing, too. It's a hard thing, too, because uh, depending on how they come to you, you're going to either love them more or dislike them because they've been so very truthful to you. And so how is it that you start to make the change that uh Bible says, according to Paul, that you first have to confront your conforming? you got to confront. You're conforming. Yeah. A whole okay. lot of us have tried to model our behavior after somebody we looked up to. We have. Somebody we admire. Trying to be like them. A whole lot of preachers have that problem. They want to preach like somebody else. As opposed to preaching the way God intended for them to preach. Let their voice be heard. Finding your own unique voice is a hard thing to do And it's even harder because we admire people. They do a great job. But we got to struggle to find our own identity in the Lord because he's given us our own uniqueness. Every one of us in here today is uniquely created by the Lord to be who he wanted us to be. He didn't create us to be like somebody else. When you're doing something somebody else has, has done, that's been done before. He wants you to do the new thing he's created for you, the unique thing that comes from you. We go through life trying on the characteristics of other folks. And we wear them like jackets until we find that they become ill-fitting. And then we take them off and put on something else, trying to find a fit that's uniquely mine. And sometimes we get to a place in life where the outfit we have on is the best one we've ever had. And so we try to keep it on too long. We never change it. You've seen them folk before that their best years were when they were in the 70s, and they still in the 2000s with the 70s stuff going on. They've never conformed, never changed things to be better. It just hasn't happened. Afraid to change. When those behaviors, you've seen somebody who acts a certain way when they're younger and they never adapt that behavior to a mature age, just like children can act too old. You ever seen a child, you tell them, stay in your place. Stay in your place because you're saying something that grown folk ought to be saying. You need to sit down somewhere. You're out of your place. You ever seen that before? The same thing can happen to grown folk. Yeah, they can be too immature for the place they are. We work with some of them. You know, they're the ones who don't care what time they come back from lunch. Because they're too immature to understand that somebody else got to go to lunch too. Everything is all about them. Now these are small things, but small things add up to character. And it exhibits who you are and how you operate in life. You've got to understand that somebody's got to be able to come to you and confront you with what you're doing wrong. There's a whole lot of ways, a whole lot of different ways that this can happen. They can do it. They can do it in a direct confrontation. They can send you a note. The worst way I found lately is that we are doing a horrible way of communicating through text. Yeah, it's a very passive-aggressive way of telling somebody they've done something. But there's no context to it. You don't know if they love you or they hate you when they send it to you. All you know is they throw on a brick to you. Can I tell you something? If you're going to help somebody out, make sure you can look at them as best you can. and Be able to talk to them. If you love them, give them a few minutes to be able to tell them what you're asking them to do in that confrontation. When you're going to confront somebody with the word of God. Be faithful enough to sit down and talk to them if you can. John has an example of Jesus doing just that. And Jesus went and confronted a woman at a well one morning. Now, the Bible sets this up in the proper context, because if Jesus had followed the social norms of that day, he would not have been in that place. If Jesus had done what his disciples wanted him to do, y'all, he wouldn't have been in that place. Because this woman was at a well in Samaria. And the Bible says that Jews, which Jesus was, didn't go into Samaria. This is John chapter 4, verses, it's a lot of verses in there, but I'm paraphrasing this. But Jesus needed to confront this woman and tell her who she was. Now, he could have followed the social norms and not gone through Samaria. But the Bible, the writer, the gospel writer specifically says Jesus must needs, he had to go through Samaria. So in other words, there was no context, there was no prevention when it came to Jesus talking to this woman. He had to go there. It didn't matter what his friend said, what his disciples said. He had to go talk to this woman and tell her that her lifestyle was not living, was not proper, excuse me. Her lifestyle was not proper. But first he had to put himself into a place where she could hear him. And so he came to her and he asked her for a simple courtesy, which was, which was difficult at the time, Karen, because even Jews didn't talk to Samaritans. So for a Jewish rabbi to be coming and talking to a Samaritan and said, can you just give me a cup of water? The first thing she did was saying, why are you talking to me? Because y'all don't even talk to us. Y'all don't even respect us enough. And that's when Jesus had her attention enough to be able to tell her about her business. Yeah, yeah, you don't respect me enough. Why are you asking me for some water? Why are you asking me for some water? And Jesus turned to her and he told her, well, what about the husband you got at home? At this point, Jesus had her attention because she knew the dude at home wasn't a hug. And apparently he knew something, too. Now, why is all this important? Well, because the time of the day that she came to the well, she came by herself. Going to the well was not not an activity that women at that time did by themselves. And so Jesus knew already that this woman's life was such that she didn't want to be seen by the other folks. In other words, her life was so troubled that she struggled being in public places with people because of her lifestyle. And so when he asked about her husband, she knew that he knew that life wasn't exactly a bed of roses for her. She correctly told him that the person at the house is not my husband. Make a long story short, he confronted her with the reality of her life. And because he was able to confront her with compassion, he didn't do it in front of anybody. Not only was her the other women not there, but his disciples weren't there. It was just him and her. And the confrontation was such that she believed him. And because she believed him, she was able to get to a place where he could explain to her that while he was asking her for water that day, if she knew who he was, she was talking to, she would be asking him for the water that he had. Because the water he had wouldn't just give you Uh, A good taste for a day, it would give you refreshment for the rest of your life. And she said, well, what kind of water is this? Because I want some of that kind of water. That's when he was able to tell her that you worship. He said, he said, I came to tell you that I'm that kind of water that you can drink for the rest of your life. Confrontation, but in a loving way. For some reason, we believe that confrontation always has to be harsh. Jesus is showing us even in a situation where apparently people didn't get along. He was able to lovingly bring this woman into a relationship when her life was upside down. This woman went on to become a believer in him. And the Bible says you couldn't get her to shut up. She went and told the whole town about how good Jesus had been to her. But the question becomes... And this woman had to answer this question. I'm asking you this today. Do you want to get well? Do you want to change your lifestyle? Some people are comfortable in the lifestyle that they have. Yeah, yeah, no, you, you couldn't get some folk to change. They think what they're doing is exactly the way it should be. In fact, they think they can live their lives completely the way they want to. And then just at the end, if God gives them enough time, then they can come and work in the church for a little while and everything's going to be all right. And can I tell you why that is a way that some people do it? You miss a fruitful life when you do that. You miss a complete life <laughs> when you do that. You miss all that God intends to give you in terms of blessings. You miss all those things simply because, as Luke put it, you live your life riotously. You live your life such that you missed out on the blessings that God could give you. Do you want to get well? Another story about Jesus meeting the man at a well, I mean, at, at the pool side. Bible said the man had been laying there all his life, been laying there. There was, a, there was supposedly a miracle on the pool that the person who got into the pool first after the angel came and troubled the water would receive a miracle if they could get in the water first. Interestingly, this man could never get in the water first. And so he had been laying there, laying there year after year. Can you imagine the scene? I know you can because we see this scene in our community all the time. Oh yeah, we see rows and rows of people who are struggling with maladies and, and problems and issues that are, Put them in a place where they don't seem like they can ever get better. And just like this man laying at the poolside, many of them waiting on a miracle to come by. Yeah. Jesus comes by that day and the man is laying there and he tells the man, get up. Get up and take up your mat. Before that, he asked the man a crucial question. And I've come to ask you this question today is, do you want to get well? Some of us are struggling in life. We get the same problems every year, behind on all our bills. Can't ever get a stable place to live. You ever notice that? You got some folk in your family, maybe it's you, who don't ever seem to be able to get things together. They seem to go through the same problems over and over again. The question you have to ask them after a while is, do you want to get better? Do you want any changes in your life? Anybody in here that's ever had any problems with money, raise your hand. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know many people that haven't at some point had problems with money. In other words, I had more outgoing income. But I found out one thing to be true. It wasn't until, and I'll say this, it wasn't until I got serious about dealing with the issue of money. And dealing with the issue of money meant I had to deal with the issue of spending. I had to deal with the issue of I want, I need, I see, I'm getting. I had to deal with the issue of me. And it wasn't until I could confront myself and realize that the problem I had with money wasn't money, it was me. But somebody had to be able to step to me and tell me that the problem wasn't money, that God had blessed me with enough money to do everything I needed to do if I could do it in the perspective that he had given it to me. I kept trying to spend my money to match other folks. I know I'm right about it. somebody else in here, too. Trying to keep up. I can't say keep up with the Joneses. Yeah, I can. The Joneses are my family. Keeping up with the Joneses. Some of you trying to keep up with your family, too. The Smiths, the Johnsons, the Edwards, the whoever else's, the Sparks, you're trying to keep up with them. And you're spending your money like it's the money they got and you're struggling. And I came to tell you today, if you want to get better, then you're going to have to follow somebody who knows how to get you better. What I found I got, Gerald, when I found the Lord is I got a life manager. I'm recommending to you that you get a life manager. Jesus Christ is the one who can help me manage my life. You see, this is a strange thing. I found that when I spent less time with the folk I was trying to keep up with, I spent more time with him. And the more time I spent with him, the less I wanted to spend with them. And the less I wanted to spend with them, then I kept more money in my pocket. And the more money I kept in my pocket meant I could give more money to him. All because I rearranged my focus. I wanted to get better. And so Jesus tells this man who's lying at the pool, who's been there forever, who's laying there with company that's also miserable. You ever notice that people who are miserable want to be around other folks miserable? If you have an a marital problem, do not, hang out with people who are having marital problems. If you're trying to save your marriage, don't hang out with just divorced people because there is a different mentality that comes with that. Sing, Hang out with folk who struggled through and made it in their marriage because there's a different conversation that comes from them. There's a different... Talk that comes with them. Yeah, they might not look that happy to you, but they also know how to stay together. But most of the time when we find ourselves in trouble, maritally, we can always find somebody who says, I just let it go. Maybe there's a reason. But there's also a reason to stay together. Jesus came to this man who heard all day nothing but we're, we can't get in the water. We too slow. Don't nobody want to help you. What are we going to eat today? All the problems of the world, heap on them. And the first thing Jesus said, first of all, get up. All right? Stop wallowing in the place that you're in. Then he told them, take that thing you're laying on and get rid of it. Get rid of your mat. And then he told them to walk. Walk. And it's amazing once you get the trust, not the strength, the trust to follow Jesus. By just getting up, faith gave him the strength to do what he needed to do. Faith allowed him to get up, and Jesus planted enough resources in him to get him to move from where he was. See, some of you want to go from zero to a hundred. But it's all right if he just moved you next door. <laughs> Just far enough away from the problem so you can see your way clear for a little while. You're already doing better. You don't have to go, you don't have to go from an apartment to a penthouse, just another house to get you better. And that's what he'll do for you. But you first got to determine: do you want, do you want to get well? Somebody's got to be able to confront you. Do you want to get where I can tell you this? If you don't have anybody in your life who can confront you with the truth of who you are, then you're going to continuously let yourself down. You're going to continue to always have struggle. Somebody got to be able to tell you when you're wrong. And let me tell you this. Write this down. Everybody else ain't always wrong. Everybody else is not always the problem. You are the problem if everybody else is always the problem. You are the problem because you can't ever see somebody else's vantage point. Obstacles are simply the latest opportunity you haven't figured out yet. That's what an obstacle is because plenty of folk have taken the obstacles of life and it has made them better than they ever could have been. With the right help, that obstacle is just what God needed for you to get around in order for you to become your best version of yourself. But many people stay behind that obstacle. They stay behind it and they don't know how to move beyond it. An obstacle can be your best leverage to a better life if you're willing to work on it. Watch this now. The world conforms, but it's the word that transforms. All right? The world conforms. But it's the word that transforms. There is, a living, there is a living quality to the word of God. There is a living quality to the word of God. Hear me now. It is a living organism. The word of God can get in you and change your life. But not if you don't put the word of God in you. The one thing that can make life better for us, we push away from it. We shy away from studying. We shy away from reading. We shy away from the very change we need. But the word of God is transformative. And that's why the scripture says so clearly that you have to get the word of God into your mind. Because when it gets into your mind, it can change your mind. Somebody needs to hear me real good on this, that you have the solution to your problems in your hand. You have it available to you, but you have got to use it. It's like having medicine in the cabinet, and you won't take it. You can change your situation, but you got to have the courage to do it. So much of the messaging that we hear in life is inviting you to conform to a worldly image. They say, you'll do better if you get a new job. You'll do better if you get a new house. You'll do better if you get a new car. You deserve better. Why? Why? Why do you deserve better than somebody else does not deserve better? You deserve bigger. Why? God wants you to have greatness. Why? Why? Why do we allow the world to tell us that God wants every one of us to have everything? Because you and I both know that that can't be the case, that God wants everybody in the world to be prosperous. God wants everybody in the world to be rich. God wants everybody in the world to live in a mansion. I can tell you right now, some folks don't want to live in no mansion. The upkeep on a mansion to take all your outgo. The reality of it is that some folk have prayed and begged for something that they got. And when they did, it turned their world upside down. But you got what you prayed for. Yeah, go get that Benz and see how much Dick Saban won every time you drive it in his Cadillac. I mean, his Mercedes place to get it upkeep. There are problems that come with, well, go get that Benz and tell me how much the annual tag is on. Go get it. And I'm not talking You see, I drive one. I'm telling you. The upkeep on it will wear you out. But you'll be riding high. I came to tell you. The simple ain't always bad. And luxurious ain't always better. If you want to do better. You need to transform the way you look at at life and the way you transform it is by the word of God. Yeah. The word of God can persistently change. you. Oh, Oh, it can. Oh, yeah. The word of God. Can change you from the out, from the inside out, which is where the difference is made. People won't even know that you're making a change in your life. It's subtle. But it's the best way to do it. It's not what you wear. It's that you get to a point where it doesn't matter what you wear. that you get to a place where you use the resources that God has given you to do better for yourself and other people. That's what matters. Paul says in Romans 12 and 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. And he says, if you do that, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is for your life in the context that he wants it and his good and pleasing and perfect will for you. If you want to know what God is doing for you, it's in the word of God. If you want to know what God has in store for you, it's in the word of God. All these things I'm telling you only will come if you're willing to renew Your mind. Your mind is a supercomputer. Unfortunately, some of us have gotten too many viruses in. The Holy Spirit can come along, and not only can he defrag all of your computer hardware, the Holy Spirit can come and act as a, if you will, those of you know, a McAfee. He can come through and clean all the viruses out and get you to a right state of thinking. So the question is, do you want to be healed? The next question is. Do you want to be transformed by the power of God in your life? Do you want the abundant life? Abundant doesn't mean riches. Abundant means peace. Abundance means peace. That's referred to in scripture. Renew your mind. Be transformed. Not conforming by the things around you. No. But being transformed by the word of God. You look around, you discover how to fit in and look like everybody else. If that's your only goal, then you're going to continue to have trouble. But if your goal is to do what God wants you to do, then I urge you to take him up on his word. He's already waiting on you. He was willing to die for you. Watch this. He came from the highest offices in heaven. Did not think it beneath him to come and be a part of the creation that he had made. If anybody should have had an attitude about coming down here and being on earth, you would think Jesus would have that attitude. But Jesus didn't think it beneath him to be a part of what he had created. Not only that, he showed us how to live when he was here. The only man to ever walk the earth without sin. He has shown us that it can be done. We simply have to have the courage. It was hard for him too. And Trampon talked about it people he walked with for three years abandoned him one of them outright rejected him, and still rejected him and sold him out oh it was hard for him too and yet he had enough about him in his final moments as he was saving me and you he had enough time to stop and ask his daddy to forgive us for all the stuff we had done that's a transformation that you and I should only hope for that we can be as forgiving of people who do us wrong people who have Hurt us, that we can forgive them just as Jesus Christ forgiven us. Do you want to be here? First step is to accept him as your Lord and your Savior. I'm empowered by the highest offices in heaven to extend this invitation to you. While the, while the musicians come and sing this song to us, I came to tell you today that the doors of our church are wide open. Whosoever will, let them come. I can't tell you that we're perfect because that wouldn't be true. But we're striving to be a welcoming church. We're striving to be a friendly church. We're striving to be a loving church. And if you're looking for a place like that, then why don't you come join us right now? Doors of our church are wide open.